0: Today is the Bible. It is the most printed book of all time. Over 6 billion copies in over 3,000 different languages. But it is the least read book of all time. And I'm ashamed to say that. In the Western world, people think the following sayings are actually in the Bible. You ready for this? God helps those that help themselves. It's not in the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. No. The love of money is. God wants you to be happy. It's not in the Bible. God wants you to be saved. Just follow your heart, Disney. <laughs> Do your best and lead the rest to God. Not in the Bible. Bad things won't happen to good people. Not in the Bible. To thine own self be true. That sounds Bible, doesn't it? It ain't in there. And a penny saved is a penny earned. (laughs) It's not in the Bible. Folks, people have no idea what's in the Bible. They make up stuff about the Bible because they never read the Bible. Nations and laws were based upon the words in that book you hold in your hands. Laws that have held societies together for hundreds of years at a time. Irish law is only held from referendum to referendum. There are laws that have protected life and homes and freedoms and liberties. And today, everybody's desire for freedom is nothing but an excuse for sin and abuse. It's not real freedom. And they make up laws that in 10 years they are going to have to change because it is not right. I have a book that is unchanging, and it is right. And the laws and the freedom that you and I get to enjoy today are because of the book you hold in your hand. The laws of the Bible that have been that have influenced the laws of our nations in Europe and most of the uh, civilized world go deep and have meaning and were the foundation for life. They're not rules that stifle and control and ruin your life. They're rules and laws that allow life. now don't get me wrong there have never been any perfect societies no matter how much you try to build your life on the Bible you still need a Savior you still need the Spirit of God to help you live that book but that book has to be the foundation of your life today societies are stripping away anything related to the Bible if they find anything in the law of books that relates to the Bible they strip it out thinking oh that's terrible they're, they're, what they're doing is it's like going up to a house and looking at a foundation to go and that foundation has to go. And they rip out the foundation and they hope the house stands and the house will not stand. Without the Bible, you have no hope. I'll say it again. Without the Bible, we have no hope. Unless you want to go to LSD and trip out on ease and every other kind of drug out there, you have no hope. Without the book you hold in your hand. Our cultures and our families need this book. We don't just need it on our coffee tables. I can't believe how many times time when I got here and I knocked on the door, I'd ask somebody, do you have a Bible? And they turn around, they point to the coffee table. I sure do. You know today, they don't even point because they don't have them. But the shame of that day and the shame of this day is they don't read it. You don't need a Bible on your coffee table. You don't need a Bible as an app on your phone. You need a Bible that's a gift at a wedding or a, or a communion or a chastening. Chastening. Um, christening. christening. <laughs> 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 it look like chastening here. Christening. <laughs> but you need a Bible that you read and that you love and that you obey. By the way, you don't need a Bible only on Sunday mornings. How many brought your Bible this morning? Hold it up. Amen. Amen. You know what you need to do tomorrow morning? Hold it up. <laughs> you know what you need to do on Tuesday morning? Hold it up. It's got to be with you. That of the greatest truth, as a new Christian, I probably, there are ten great truths that my pastor taught me when I first got saved. One of them was, he said, take your Bible with you everywhere. To work, to school. It'll clear out a lot of old friends. And it'll bring a lot of good friends into your life. Amen. You set that book down on your desk at work, whew, you think a bomb just went off but you'll get some good friends out of it. Amen. Our culture, our families need this book because only the Bible can save and can salvage a soul. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you help us this morning just to fall in love with the Bible again, yearn to know its contents, and to live it. We're we're ignorant of what's in it simply because we don't read it. We have every app, we have every source of information, and yet we have no truth. And we have no stability and we have no sanity and we have no wisdom and we have no hope when we don't have your Bible. Hidden away in our heart, stored away, stuffed in there, crammed in there, in every nook and cranny. When we don't have the Bible, we have no hope. So give us hope this morning. Let us know what's in this book. Let us have a hankering, a a desire, a yearning that it would be preeminent in our lives. Because it's the one and only perfect thing on this planet. It is the only perfect thing. I pray that we would hold on to it real tight. And we'd learn it and let it work on us. Because there's some people in this room who have been taught all their lives the Bible is a fairy tale. The Bible is a book of stories made up by men. And they've never read it for themselves. They've never tested it, never found out. It is the Word of God. And if it is the Word of God, every person in this room will be judged by it. Every person in this room will face what they know to be true, but they'll be on the wrong side. And they better get on the right side. Not because this preacher is trying to live it, not because anybody else says so, but because you say so. You are God and you gave us your Word. Help us, deliver us from biblical ignorance because it's the only hope for our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Jesus tells a story. It's called a parable, which means a story with a moral or a lesson to it. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 4 down to verse 15. Luke chapter eight, you're very I hope you're very familiar with this story. Luke chapter eight verse four says this And when much people were gathered together and were come to him to Jesus out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, was stepped on, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Another fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? What are you talking about? Verse 10. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others, in parables, That seeing they may not see, and hearing they might not understand. Please be very afraid that you can sit here and watch what I show you, and hear what I say, and still go out of here just as ignorant as you came in. Now the parable is this, the seed, read it with me, will you? Verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. That's the message, folks. Let's keep going, verse 12. Those by the wayside, I'm gonna, I'll keep reading. You can, you can just follow along. I just wanted you to get verse 11. But verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh who? And taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. Which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So Jesus describes a sower, a farmer, a a seed scatterer. And in this story, he talks about four soils and he talks about the wayside, which is we say the wayside. It's the footpath on your way to the fields. So he's spilling seed along his way. Then he also talks about the rocky soil, which is basically soil that is unplowed. It's full of stones. He then describes thorny soil, which is neglected soil. If you have soil that you've plowed up and repaired, and then you come back a few weeks later, and thorns and briars and nestles are growing up, what have you not done? You've not kept the field. You've not cleared it back out. So it's a neglected soil. And then you got the good soil. It's soft. You know, some people come into church and they're hungry for the word of God. They're soft. They're ready. Preach, Pastor. I don't care if you sneeze. I'm going to say amen. That's a soft heart. Then you get the ones that go, try it, Pastor. Shield up. That good soil is prepared. It wants the seed. And Jesus then gives a simple explanation. He doesn't make it complicated. He says the seed is the word of God. Now let's go and quickly hold your place here. Go to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. It's our memory verse for this month. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll be back to Luke in just a second. But 1 Peter chapter 1. The seed is the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of what kind of seed? What's the next word? Big word. Incorruptible. And then Peter, makes sure you know that he's talking about something you hold in your hand. What is it? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All right. So I plant a seed that will, uh, uh maybe it's corn or maybe it's barley or maybe it's... Oranges, I don't know, an orange tree. I plant that thing. Is it gonna is it gonna live forever? No. It will produce fruit for a while and then it will die, correct? All right. The seed of a human, you have a mommy and a daddy, you got a baby, their life is only temporary, they can only pass on what kind of life to their children? Temporary. It's corruptible. How many had perfect parents? Let me see your hands. How many are perfect parents? Let me see your hands. No. We had corruptible parents, amen? Just as we have corruptible politicians, we have corruptible parents. They're flawed, they're imperfect, they mess up. How many have perfect bodies? Yeah, I'm glad we're honest. (laughs) I know when you look at the mirror, you debate, you know, it's it's nearly perfect. You have a corruptible body. It falls apart, doesn't it? I mean, some some ladies put more cake in their face than they've got face, amen? They're trying to (laughs) hold up, you know, come on. You heard about, you heard, you heard about, um, what was her name? Uh, who had those seven husbands back in the 19... 1960s? Elizabeth <laughs> Taylor! Elizabeth Taylor, there was a sad magazine called the National Enquirer in America. And it had this beautiful, this picture of Elizabeth Taylor, you know, she's like 65 years old. She had a beautiful smile and she had, <laughs> she had this little dot right here. And Ken Hovine says, I figured out what the dot was. She kept having cosmetic surgery and kept stretching, stretching up the skin from low, and that's her belly button. <laughs> we're corruptible. We try to fix and hold up and patch up and maintain what is going to die, don't we? We try our best to hold on to youth. There were there were people during the 1400s, and 1500s looking for the fountain of youth. Folks, I found it. People spent inexha- inexhaustible amounts of money looking for a way to live forever. I found it. Right in 1 Peter 123. Being born again. The second birth I got, I didn't got it from a church, from a priest, from a nun, from a uh, uh, from a religion, from a philosophy. I got it from the Bible. I'm born again and I've got eternal life. Amen. The seed is the word of God. He says, secondly, the wayside here is a hard. You ever walk on, on a footpath that's been walked on and walked on by 20,000 people? You try and, you just try and, and, and start to break that up? It doesn't break up easy, does it? Even water goes on it. Just, just runs to the side, never goes into the soil. There are people like that. There are a lot of people like that. They're hard. They're uninterested. You come to church cause your mom makes you. You come to church cause your husband makes you. You come to church cause your wife makes you and you're there. Your middle name is Wayside. Footpath. <laughs> you know what's a shame about the footpath? Those seeds, the, the, the man's dropping seed on the footpath, isn't he? And who comes and steals it? Birds. And who are the birds? You're exactly right, but who are the birds a picture of? They're a picture of Satan that comes along, and every word I'm saying, the devil's in there going, don't listen to that. He's stupid. Oh, he's just, he's just, uh, he, he's just saying what he wants to say. That's not true. And he comes along, and you come out going, uh, uh, "You're as empty as you came in." You say that's offensive. I'm telling you the truth. And if I get you upset, maybe you'll listen harder. Wayside are robbed. Hey, if you were given a priceless gift and it just fell into your lap and you didn't grab it and put it in your pocket, and somebody came along and checked it, took it out of your lap, who's at fault? If somebody puts and drops in a diamond into your lap and you just looked at it and then somebody came along and just grabbed it and walked on, who's at fault? You are. You should have held on to it, man. Amen. The rocky hearts, so those are only superficial believers. What's a superficial believer? They only bleed just barely on the top. They have no root. They don't actually let it go into their heart. They don't let it actually become part of their life. It's just something they can say. And a lot of people learn catechisms, prayers. I've had too many people tell me, and it just grieves my heart when I say, do you believe that Jesus died for sin? Yes, I believe that. No, you don't. don't. You say you do, but it's never affected your heart. Do you believe the Bible's Word of God? Oh, I believe the, the Bible's the Word of God. Do you read it? No. No root. Is there a problem there? Those are the rocky hearts. The thorny hearts don't care. They come along and they sort of, they've got, you ever heard of a hoarder? Yeah. You ever seen the films or the movie, the, the TV, program about hoarders? They have everything in their house. You know what Jesus is? He's just something that you add. The Bible is just something you stack on top of all the other books you have. You can't add Jesus to your life and get anything out of him. He has to be your life. I am the way, the truth, and the life," Jesus said. Thorny hearts don't care about crowding out God. Don't care about whether they read the Bible or not. They negligent. They don't feed and learn and live by the Bible, so they bring no fruit. They have they they, they accomplish nothing in the kingdom of God. And then you got the good hearts who hunger for truth. They hunger for God. They want righteousness. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm so sick of the sin, you can't even open a newspaper. You can't even watch the news without sin just being shoved in your face. I hunger for righteousness. I hunger not just to be right, but but to be safe and to just enjoy being right. Not not, When I say right, I don't mean like right in an argument. I mean, I just want to be away from sin for a while. (laughs) I just don't want to be you know, saying something I regret or looking at something I don't want to look at. I just like to have righteousness for a little while. Amen? Hunger for that. And that's the good kind of heart. And you get righteousness by the Word of God. Now, the entire parable is about the seed. And I know he's talking about the soil, the soil, the soil, the soul, But it's about the seed because without the seed, guess what? I don't care if you have a soft heart and sincere. I don't care if you're hard. I don't care if you've just got so much stuff going in your mind. Without the Bible, you're doomed. It's the seed, folks, that we need. Now, the life-giving seed of the Word of God is found. Let's go back. We're in First Peter. Let's go to First Peter and look at it for a few minutes. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and starting in verse, we'll start down to verse 18. First Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, that was your past life, it was an empty life, it was a vain life, received by tradition from your fathers, who well, my dad smoked, Well, my dad drank and it was okay. You just, you know, we picked up so much from our parents. You sure that's how you want to live for the rest of your life? Verse 19, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the very foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He came, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be where? All right, we're going to talk about this. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, we'll see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again. You have a new family now. Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as what? I mean, how many of you ever cut grass and kept the grass? And I mean, not just kept it in a pile for compost, but brought it in your house, <laughs> sprinkled it along the carpet. No, cra- grass is either meant to be dumped or burned or something. But all flesh is as grass. Look at the rest of it. And the glory of man is as the flower of grass. We're just, we're just like a flower, like, like a, a daisy or a, uh, a flower on, on weeds. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Somebody says, where did I find the Bible? What you've got right now. That's the word of God. So, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, the seed gives life. It's called salvation. I don't think there's any more precious word in the Bible. You say, I think the love of God is great. Amen. But the love of God gave me salvation. I think grace is a wonderful word. It is a wonderful word. But I'm saved. That means something to me. You can talk about grace, but until I've experienced it, it means nothing to me. And the experience of grace, the experience of the love of God, is he redeemed me. He bought me back. He saved me from the wrath of God and from an eternity away from him in hell. Amen. It's a great word. Love that word. Peter calls it redemption. If you bought a home uh, and you have a mortgage, you know what you're doing every month that you pay? You're redeeming it back from the bank. That's what you're doing. And one day, hopefully, unless you keep putting on new mortgages, remortgaging the house, one day you make the final payment and the bank finally says, now the house is yours. And when Jesus shed his blood, he bought me. He paid the price. He redeemed me. You ever heard of somebody having to pay a ransom? The modern ransoms are for computers. You get some virus on your computer, and they make you pay in order to get your files back on. It's a ransom. Jesus paid the ransom for my soul. I'm saved, folks. And I'm saved by one book. What is it? The book you hold in your hand. The Bible. It's uh, it's not like corruptible seed. It's not like corruptible seed at all. Uh, human seed is corruptible. Uh, gold is corruptible. Silver is corruptible. Money is corruptible. Religions are corruptible. Nod your head. Amen. You know, the safest place to be on a Sunday morning is in a church where everybody has a Bible. I watched one time that guy, David Koresh, one of those cult leaders there in Waco, Texas. It's Waco, but we call it Waco. I'm from Texas, so don't be offended. And David crashes is up there, and he's got a crowd of about 70 people in his little cult there. And he's got a Bible in his hand. It's closed, by the way. And he's up there, and he's preaching away, preaching away. And you look up at all those people up there. Not one of them had a Bible in their hand. You know how a cult gets started? People start following the man. They started. he's such a nice guy. Oh, he really makes me feel gooey, gooey, gooey. That's a cult. Safest place is where everybody can look down and go, yep. Yep, no, I don't see that. Amen. The Bible. It's not like, uh, the Bible's not cor- like corruptible seed. It is incorruptible. It doesn't wear out. By the way, it doesn't go out of date either. Hey, do you feel like the Bible's gone out of date? I do. I feel like it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not popular anymore, is it? I mean, it's it just, it's just something that the world just goes, yeah, it's passe, it's gone out of its time, hasn't it? I'm going to say this. It's never been in sync with the world. It's never been popular. Do you know any time? Listen, the majority of people when Jesus preached, turned on him and wanted them dead. Don't say, well, people just don't, don't connect to the Bible anymore. They got to, or there's no hope. Amen. The Bible is incorruptible. And it's what your uh, mankind is lost without it. Let me give you some thoughts about what you would do without the Bible. Nothing. You could never know God. You imagine if Dan and I got together and I said, Dan, I think I figured out God. And Dan go, Oh, I figured him out last week. <laughs> I say, Well, what's your God? And Dan says, Well, he's got long hair. He's not sure if he's male or female, and uh, uh, he kind of lives on a planet called Krypton. Your God? Well, let me tell you about my God. Where would we, how would we know about God if we didn't have a Bible? Are you with me? Without the Bible, you would never know God. Without the Bible, you'd never be saved from your sins. Think about that for a minute. You cannot get saved without the Bible. I have heard it till I'm sick that there are these people, mainly charismatics and Pentecostals, who say, millions of Muslims are getting saved over in the Middle East. They're seeing visions. They've never read the Bible, but they're seeing visions of Jesus and of Mary, and they're turning to God. They are not turning to God. That is of the devil. You have to be born again by the incorruptible Word of God. If they don't have a Bible, they didn't believe on the right Jesus. The devil will do miracles. He will do anything he can to get you to believe anything except that book. Amen? Is that clear? That's so strict. I didn't make it up. I can't I can't adjust what God said. And God said, that book is the only thing that will save your soul. That's why ha, um, Romans 10, 13. Go there. Romans 10, 13. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord in that a good verse shall be saved. Well, how then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Without a preacher. Amen. It's by the foolishness of preaching that God had chosen to save them that believe. We need preachers. I didn't say we need pastors. We could use a few more of those as well. (laughs) But we need preachers. We need people who hand out a track who will tell people and say, listen, would you please read this? I don't want you to go to hell. Please, would you read this? This is This is your ticket out of hell. Please, would you read this? This is God's love for your lost soul. Without preachers, they're never going to hear of the Bible. Are you with me? Without the Bible, you would never know how to be saved. You would never be saved. How many times are you in church? Catholic church, Protestant church, any church, and they said, just do your best. You know what that is? A lie. Oh, if anybody's going to heaven, after all that you've been through, you'll get there. You know what that is? A lie. Oh, that is such a saintly, dear grandmother. I'm telling you, she's going straight to heaven. You know what? That's a lie. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again, not of their own will, not of your own family heritage, but by the word of God. Amen? How are they going to hear it unless somebody preaches it to them? You can never know if the Jesus you're following is the right one. I have used this illustration before. Uh let me tell you about Mrs. Ledbetter. She has five children. She's got very dark hair. She lives kind of up on a little bit of a hill. Uh she's got a handsome husband. Um, and um, uh she uh shut up. She um, uh she loves art and well crafts and she loves uh homeschooling and uh her name is Donna. See all the way along there it sounded like my wife, didn't it? But it was a different Ledbetter. She's got my wife has dark hair, and my my uh, brother's wife. I have a brother who's married to also another Mrs. Ledbetter, and she lives on a little bit of a hill. She's got five kids. They homeschool just like we did. But her name is Donna. She's a different Ledbetter. Are you with me? And a lot of people are going through life, and they're following what they think is Jesus, and they go. Oh, this is the happy Jesus. This is the Jesus who would never let anybody go to hell. This is the Jesus who just loves me any way I live. This is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when they read the Bible, they go, that's a different Jesus. Without the Bible, you'd never know if the Jesus you're following is the right one. It's that important. Um, You can never test those spirits. Somebody comes along, I don't care if somebody could levitate in this room. I don't care if somebody could heal your grandmother or raise the dead. I have to have a book that allow me to test them to find out if they're of God or of hell. Amen. I have to have a book. I'll follow my heart. Go right ahead. The heart is desperately wicked. It is deceitful above all things. It will lie to you. Say, I'll follow my heart. Go right ahead. You'll end up in hell. Say, that's cruel. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. And I don't say it. I, I, I like having a good time. I love enjoying being around God's people, being in church. But I'm telling you, there are too many things at stake. For you to just come in and go out of church and never believe your Bible. You say, boy, when I watch the God channel, when I watch God TV, I'm telling you, I just feel God all over me. Are you sure? Are you sure? Not everything that says it has God is of God. There's coming a man who's going to help rebuild the temple in Jerusalem one of these days. And when he builds that temple, he will set himself up on that on the mercy seat, on the throne there, and he'll declare he is God. You better know about this. You could never know what love is without that book. I've read some love stories. I think they're awesome. I think some of them make me sick. (laughs) But I would never know what true love is until I read about the love of God. Until I, I found an everlasting love, until I found a love that could not fail, that cannot quit, that looks beyond every one of my flaws and still loves me. I would never know what real love is without that book. I know, listen, you go into Eason's, and there's there's 16 feet long, five shelves high of romance novels, the big Eason stores. Is that where you want to find love? I found it. <laughs> I found it in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I only needed one verse to teach me about love. You'll only live by either popularity or by the sword. You know what? When I read this Bible, I can live alone. I can live against the flow. I can find out what's right, and I do it, whether anybody else does. Amen. You have a Bible, you have hope. You have sanity. You don't have a Bible... You'll do what your kids tell you to do. You'll do what the religion says to do. You'll do what the Facebook says to do. You'll do what the government says to do. You know, if you have a Bible, you'll do what God tells you to do. Amen. Without that Bible, you won't know what to do. They come in and they make laws. They bring these referendums in here. We haven't seen the kind of referendums that are coming in the future. We better have a book that tells us how to live and what to do. Because if we have to take a vote every time we need to know what to do, we're doomed. And you'll never know yourself. We don't have time, but James chapter 1 says, look into the law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty, and see yourself. Best thing any of you wives need to do is spend time with your husband, reading the Bible, let him see himself instead of you trying to tell him what he's like. (laughs) Amen. That book will tell him what he's like. Amen. You'll never know yourself. You'll never realize realize just how messed up you are until you come to the Bible and you find out. I never realized just how lost I was. And you actually look. What you, you're in Romans. Go to Romans chapter ten, look at verse seventeen. You'll have no faith at all. Where does faith come from? I heard one guy say faith comes from God. I said that's cheating. How does God give me faith? Oh, He just puts it in you. Eh, wrong answer. Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. So then faith cometh by. Are you listening? Hearing, and hearing by the I don't have any pastor, led I don't have any faith, Pastor. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Without the Bible, you'll have no faith. We say, well, I believe, I believe we're all the descendants of aliens from some comet that passed by 40 million years ago. Yeah, you got faith. (laughs) I, I believe we all evolved out of goo. Somebody wrote a book from goo to you. <laughs> You'll believe anything. He who he who what is the say who uh does not stand for the truth will fall for anything. And they are. You'll actually have no faith at all. If you want to have faith, you've got to have it from the Bible. Isn't that amazing? You know what you have? You have all you need in that one book. Now let me compare something here for you. All right? Jesus is called the living Word of God. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the living Word of God, living amongst us. But then you hold in your hand something called the written Word of God. I want to show you how similar they are. Now, I could go with over a hundred comparisons. I'm going to show you six or seven. But in a hundred ways... The Bible and Jesus are almost exact. Watch. Both Jesus and the Bible are truth. First of all, go to John chapter 14. Hope your fingers are nimble. We're going to do some scripture here. John chapter 14. John fourteen six. I want to see, I want you to see it with your own eyes. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. What's the next two words? The truth. He doesn't say a truth. Muhammad will clarify some things. Confucius will compare, com, clarify some things. No. I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So is Jesus the truth? Yes or no? Yes. Did you know your Bible is the truth? John 17. Still in the Gospel of John. John chapter 17 verse 17. Jesus praying. Jesus praying in John chapter 17. He says, verse 17, he's praying to his father and he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, Jesus is the truth and so is the Bible. Now, I know too many people who say, well, the Bible contains truth. Oh, really? So show me where it's not true. And I'll show you, you've been lied to. It is truth. Start to finish. Both are Eternal. The book you hold in your hand is here. I thought, well, my Bible says printed in 1974. <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're not talking about the actual cover and pages on your book. We're talking about the words that are in your book are eternal. First of all, we believe Jesus is eternal, right? Hebrews 13, 7, I won't take you there for time. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's eternal, isn't he? Do you know your Bible is eternal? Go to Hebrews chapter 4. i uh, sorry, Uh, Matthew chapter 24. I'm ahead of myself. Thank you. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 35. Matthew 24. 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away. They are eternal. Not only are they eternal... They are spirit. Now this is the important thing I want you to understand. Dean, words you hold in your lap aren't just physical. They are spiritual. Watch. We need to look at two verses. John chapter 4 verse, verse 24. John 4 24. John 4 24. John four twenty four says, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God doesn't have a body. That's why he had to become a man. He had to become a man. He had to put on flesh. God doesn't live on a planet. God is a spirit. Do you know your Bible is spirit? Go to John chapter 6 now. A couple pages to the right. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus speaking to his disciples about all the people that left because they were stuck on trying to think that they had to eat his body. In verse 20, verse 63 says, Peter, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, that gives life. The flesh profiteth what? The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When you're reading your Bible, you're having a spiritual experience. Amen. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, are spiritual. Your Bible is spiritual. That's why it's different. That's why it tastes different. That's why it sounds different. That's why it works different. Because it works where nothing else can. It's perfect. Hebrews chapter 5. Is Jesus perfect or not? You better believe he is. Hebrews chapter 9. I said nine five. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Hebrews 5, 9 says, and this is, look at verse 8. Hebrews 5, 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, speaking of Jesus, and being made what? He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You know, the only perfect person on this planet who's ever lived was Jesus. Amen. And he proved it. But you know your Bible is perfect. Go to Psalm 19. The middle of your Bible should be the book of Psalms. Psalm 19 and verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. Stop there. The law of the Lord The written laws of God are perfect. You say, well, I would have come up with a better list of laws. You couldn't come up with a better list. They're perfect, and they even saved my soul. They're light. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I'm come as a light into the world. Men walk darkness, but I give them light. You got another one, Psalm. you're in Psalms, look at Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is my light? The word. They're both light. You know, the Bible says this. I, I, I want to blow your mind. The Bible says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. Now, what does that mean? Just as soon as I enter into the Bible and try to read it, all of a sudden, the light comes on. It's like going into a room and the light's on. It's like going into a conservatory, and it's all glass, and it's 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 bright. And you come out of the dark sitting room where the drapes are pulled, and it's dark and dreary and discouraged. You go into the light of that outside room there. That's what it's like opening your Bible. It's light. And you put it off. You get tired of it. It reveals our minds. First Chronicles. Find that one. Ha, ha, ha. First Chronicles. Before Psalms, you'll find a couple of books. First, Second Kings, First Chronicles, following that, chapter 28. You think God knows what you're thinking? He sure does. First Chronicles, chapter 28 and verse 9. Point is the last part of the verse. Look at verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, Know thou the the God of of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart, with a willing mind. Why? Why should I worry about what my heart feels and what my mind thinks? Watch it. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. So does God know your thoughts? He knows what goes on inside your heart. Nobody else can. You say, you don't know what I'm going through. I know. God does. But did you know your Bible does too? Hebrews chapter 4. To the right. Hebrews chapter 4. Stay with me. We're almost done. Hebrews chapter 4. If you believe that, I've got a bridge to Syria. No, I'm joking. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What are your intentions, the man says to the boy who wants to date his daughter? You ever heard that phrase? What are your intentions? You know, God knows what your intentions are before you ever speak it. And he recorded them in the Bible. See, I know a lot of people would say, Oh, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. I would never do that. And the Bible says, Yes, you would. Now, I may not think you would. The Bible says it's in all of us. Adultery is in all of us. Oh, I would never go so far as to murder anybody. Oh, the Bible says, Yes, you would. You see, the Bible will expose you and reveal what's in your heart. You read it enough, and you'll you, it's like a person on the on the. Uh, operating table, and that knife comes out and starts to open it up. You can't hide from the Bible anymore, and you can hide from God. That's why some of you stay in the New Testament. That's why some of you just read the Psalms. That's why some of you don't even read at all, because you know it tells on you. It's like a little brother. How does he know that? (laughs) Mom, he's in it again. That Bible tells on us, and we don't like it. It reveals our minds. But best of all, well, two things, it gives life. John 10.10, Gospel of John, chapter 10, and verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have, John 10.10, might have life, and that they might have it more abundant. You know, Jesus will give you life if you'll come to him, call on him, ask him, believe him. John 5, 24. Go back a few pages. John 5, 24. This is what the Bible says about itself. John five twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, he's got everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You've got one side, all Jesus Christ, the living word. He can do all of that. And all, all of my Bible can do all of that too. Because that won't happen unless I believe this. One more. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. First uh, 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says this, don't go there for time. Paul says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. It should be believed by everybody that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus saves. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, being saved, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Somebody says, I'll just believe Jesus. I don't need the Bible. You're lost. Amen. You've got to have that book to know the Savior. Amen. I stand in awe on God's word. I wish I could go through this. I put this together and I went, Lord, why am I doing this? Because I can't even I can't touch it. I got no time. But the reason why I stand in law in awe of this book, I'll take you there. Just one verse. First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians, I gotta show you this. We don't have time to look at these, but I'm gonna just glance through them without the scriptures. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. Paul, when preaching in this town called Thessalonica. And he says this, when he came to them and preached to them, verse 13, we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, no, I'm in, I'm in 2 Thessalonians. Ah, I knew that was not right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, here we are. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, You received it not as the word of men. You didn't think Paul was preaching. But as is it in truth, you received it as the word of God, which effectually worketh also in ye that believe. Why do I stand in awe uh, of that book? Because it is the words of God. That ought to be enough. Oh, man, it goes on and on. Folks, it terrifies me. You know why I'm in awe of that book? Because it tells me about places I don't want to go. Amen. It terrifies me. I do not want to stand before an almighty God who created this entire universe in six days and I think I'm going to be able to challenge him. That Bible terrifies me. It tells what I'm really like. It tells me about the end of this world, not just Armageddon. It talks about the battle of Gog and Magog. It talks about things in the future that are terrifying. That Bible terrifies me when I read it. But it also comforts me. You know what Paul says? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There's nothing more precious than sitting in a hospital, and I've got nothing to do. Doctors are coming in, putting in the IVs, and checking the monitors and stuff, and that person's heart had a hard time breathing, can't even open their eyes. What am I going to do? I'm going to read Scripture. Because it'll bring comfort. It brings comfort to me. I hope it does you. Same book that terrifies me, comforts me. It's an amazing book. Is better than any vision, feeling, magic, or miracle. Well, I know what I saw down at Balonspittal. I mean that 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 statue wiggled for twenty minutes. I couldn't care less. What is the wheat to the chaff? James uh, Jeremiah says, "Let your prophets let bring." I tell you what. Bring the idol here and let us sit here and let's watch it move. It won't. But if it did, wouldn't scare me at all. Because I know it's of a demon. The book said so. This is better. Peter even says that we have a more sure word of prophecy. Somebody says, "I'm going to prophesy. Keep your prophecy to yourself. I got all I need. There's enough to keep me busy for twenty lifetimes." Is perfect. Why am I in all that Bible? I will not ever listen to somebody who'll spend their time correcting my Bible. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. They may be ten times, a hundred times smarter than me. I could care less. My Bible's perfect. I may not understand it. I may get it all wrong, but you're not correcting it. Correct me. Amen. It feeds me. I sit down with this book. It's a spiritual exercise, man. I read it, and I come away stronger. I can't explain it. I'm just reading a book. I'm just reading... But I come away stronger, I come away happier, I come away stable, I come away joyful. Why? Because it feeds. As newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's like milk. Hebrews calls it sometimes, it's like meat. It's tough to chew on, but it's good. It feeds me. It keeps me from sin. Amen. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Somebody, uh, a guy named uh, Dwight L. Moody, back 150 years ago, preached, and he said something in passing, and everybody wrote it down. It's one of the great sayings of the time. Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Amen. It exposes me. I already said it, but I mean, I stand in awe because the Bible says, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And then he goes on, he says, I... Try the hearts. I expose them. So I'm all over the page of that book. And guess what? So are you. And I stand in awe of it. Because I'm reading a book that some portions of it are 4,000 years old. How does it still apply today? As advanced as we are, as technology? Because we haven't changed one iota. It still exposes us. Uh, it cuts me to the heart. A lot of times you get preachers, most of the prophets in the Old Testament, they preach and then people stone them. Peter got up there and he preached on the day of Pentecost. And the people, it says, his preaching cut them to the heart. And they cried out, men and brethren, what do we do? We crucify the Messiah. Jesus and, and Peter said, repent. Believe the gospel. Man, it was, it was awesome. They were cut. That's a good Bible. If you only read a book that just patted you on the back and made you feel good, you've done nothing for your soul. As a matter of fact, you've damned your soul. If you raise your children on fairy tales, I mean, we go for the walk down here at the at the regional park here, and they got the fairy walk now. And everywhere you go, they get the little fairy doors and the trees and names and up, up down the bottom or all these things, and it's all, wow, wow, wow. You're just reinforcing in children's minds, everything is a fairy tale. You better sit down with them and tell them the truth. It's okay to read to a five-year-old the King James English. They'll get it faster than you did. They're smarter than you are. Read your Bible to them. Amen. (laughs) He'll cut them. They'll go, Dad, is that true? Yep, that's true. God judged the whole world, and only Noah and his his three boys and their wives and and his wife survived, and only because they believed God. you got to tell the truth. Amen? And it heals. I can't explain it, but that book, when you start believing it, it just takes scales off your eyes. It takes years off of your heart. It does something for you. It heals. I would before you ever go to the doctor, you ought to spend an hour in your Bible. I mean, if you cut off your finger, you better go to the doctor, okay? But honestly, if you're struggling, if everything's just going wrong, spend an hour in your Bible and see if God doesn't make it right. Cuz it heals. And it produces fruit. It produces fruit a hundredfold. What I what I just barely begin to do, God just makes it become something great. Because I believe the Bible None of it will happen without the Bible. And here's the end. That's you. (laughs) Sadness. How come the Bible hadn't worked in my life then, Pastor? I got some thoughts for you. Number one, maybe your heart is so hard and so cold towards God, you won't even give it a chance. David says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Try it. I don't mean try it like a pizza. Step out and say, I'm going to read my Bible. You know how many people I've read, and there are testimonies a guy named Lee Strobel, a guy named Francis Schaeffer, people who are atheists, and they picked up the Bible and they said, I'm going to read the Bible, and when I finish it, I will determine whether it's of God or not. And I'll study out where it came from, who translated, it, da 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 And I have found... Countless numbers of people who, when they read the Bible and they tested, guess what they found out—it's a God, and they got mm-hmm. saved, and they repented, and they realized they were wrong. But that's because they read it. Try it. Maybe you just only want a little bit of the gospel. Well, I'll come on Sunday, Pastor. But don't ask me to do any more. Too much for me to handle. Just an hour of your preaching, Pastor. How can I go any further? Maybe you just only want a little bit of the gospel, but you're afraid to accept it all as one big package. Guess what? My Bible doesn't come apart. Here, I like that part. Oh, I I really only like the psalm. It's a package, folks. It comes as a package. It's to be believed as a package. Jesus said these words, Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. For they are they which, from start to finish, testify of me. You're going to have to decide, I'm going to take the whole Bible even the stuff I don't like, even the stuff I don't understand. I just take the whole book. Maybe you think you just add pinches of the Bible to your life and expect it to make a big difference. Okay, well, I'll add a little bit this week, and I'll add a little bit. Go right ahead. But is that how you eat? You need a good meal, don't you? And that book will provide the only meal that will save your soul and actually salvage your life. So instead of nibbling at it and taking bits and pieces of it and only listening to what you like why don't you just dive into it and say, I'm just going to stick with it and let it fix me. You know what I'm describing here? There's the footpath soil, hard heart. Here's the rocky soil. You're afraid to accept it all. You won't let it take root. Here's the thorny soil that says, well, I'm just going to read it, but I won't ever cultivate it. I won't ever clear out the stuff in my life and let it grow. No, 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 no. You'll always be in competition with what's on TV. No competition, folks. Folks. Maybe you just not believed it yet. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 and we're finished. Hebrews chapter 4. Did we cover a lot of ground today? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is that God sent His Son the form of a man walking on this earth. He allowed religious people to kill Him. He did it, on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. When he died on that cross, they put him in a grave, and they left him there. They sealed it up, and they guarded it. Three days later, he came right out. And he ever lives the right hand of the Father right now, interceding, paid in full for all of my sins. You know what the gospel is? You can just trust him, and he'll get you saved. He'll get you in. He'll wash away your sins. He'll forgive every last flaw, mess-up, failure of your life. That's the gospel. You didn't have to learn the whole Bible, but you do have to believe that, that he did it all for you. And you know what? I can say that till the cows come home. But verse 2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. It did no good. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I can say, and I can preach, and I can plead, and I can present drawings and illustrations, and I can I can act out. But until you believe, it does no good. What do you have to do? You have to believe. You're going to have to, when I got saved, this was the words of the guy, John Cranford, who got me down on my knees. He had that open Bible. He'd gone through probably 10 or 15 scriptures and just went through, you believe that, you believe that, you believe that, as he showed me, you believe you're a sinner, you know you're lost, you know you deserve hell, you believe that, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he held that Bible and he says, you're just going to have to trust that this book's right and you're wrong. And I had to say, I do. He says, well then, tell God you believe it. I didn't have to think about it. I get down on my knees and I said, I don't understand it all, but I don't want to go to hell. I believe it's an awful place. If you'll save somebody like me, I'd sure like it. <laughs> you know, it's keeping some people, what, what will keep people from going to heaven is not the fact they didn't have a A perfect church, because you're not going to find one. Not because you didn't have a great preacher. Not because It's because they didn't believe the book they hold in their hands. Father, right now we come before you, we bow the heads, and we ask that the book that we hold in our hand would become more than the bound pages with the words on it. Like it was of old in, in Paul's time. That it would not be received as the words of men. But it is, and as it is indeed, the words of God. Three thousand times, if I'm not correct, I think I am, it says, thus saith the Lord in my Bible. I don't want to argue with you. I don't want to correct you. I just want to follow you. I just want to believe you. It saved my soul 36 years ago. It'll save somebody's soul today if they would just believe what they hold in their hand. Not the cover, not the thickness but the words being born again of the incorruptible Word of God. Let every Christian in this room decide once again if it saved us. Maybe it can save my family. Maybe it can save my home, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my parents. Maybe it'll save our nation. Maybe, just maybe, if I believe it. It'll save my sanity It'll give me rest back in my heart. It'll fix what's broken. It'll salvage this messed up life. But it's going to take us all just deciding we're going to mix this book with faith and let it produce fruit. If you're not born again this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not born again, today is your day. This message for you. You didn't come here by accident. It's for you to say, you know what? I've spent my life arguing from the wrong side. I've heard and listened to absolutely everybody else instead of you. I believe you. I don't understand you. I'm scared of you. But God, I believe you. And I trust you. I trust that you won't lie to me. I trust that you'll tell me in your word what it means to be a Christian and I just want to be that. So I follow you now. I believe you now. I trust you now. If somebody would just Talk to God like that. He'll hear you. And he'll save you. And if you have prayed that, it's time for you to stand up and be counted. and Say, I'm going to follow Jesus.